Welcome to Kids and Faith. This is a podcast of Liberty Church of the River Words. I am John Alexander. I'm Melissa Wood. And I'm Stephen Wood. And the goal of this podcast is to encourage you in your ministry to little people in your life to offer instruction in building up spiritually the little people in your life and to fill you with shame, bold loads of shame, day after day. More of the same. Not fill you with shame. That's our shtick. Shtick. We're just kidding, guys. It's a joke. Conviction, though. That's the third thing. If if this is important, we have to say, be encouraged, be instructed, but also, let's go. God helping us and us helping one another. Uh, bring a little conviction about things we might be missing and ways we can run the race of parenting and guardianship and uh, caring for the children in our lives well. So thanks for joining us again. I believe this is episode four. four, And today we're going to be talking about leading worship in the home, facilitating family worship. I read... Uh, a pithy quote uh, used kind of awkwardly that maybe some of you have heard before. It goes like this. The family that prays together stays together. But then the author said, you know who said the same thing? All of the priests of the Canaanite fertility gods (laughs) that were around Israel. So it depends on what you're praying about and who you're praying to. So that's... Uh, not something I think a whole lot of us are doing in terms of worshiping Canaanite fertility gods, but we're going to, all that is to say worship matters. Yeah. But, um, we worship a gracious God who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And, um, how does that gospel of grace itself inform how and what we're doing in family worship so that it doesn't just fill you with boatloads of shame? Uh, so with that. Stephen and Alyssa, we have kind of two main things we're going to talk about today. There's a big question out there we wanted to address and then offer people a path of what others in our church and other people we respect are doing in terms of family worship. So a big question we wanted to answer and then a path. What's that big question that we were talking about before we got started? The the big question, just uh, trying to think through how some folks who are listening to this may respond to just the idea of family devotions. First off, it's like, I was, I was have, even being in seminary, it's like seminary students, there's this, there's this universal understanding of like family devotions are really hard and we're not doing it as well as we're supposed to. Um, so if there's ever like a shame topic, it's going to be this one, I think. Um, but it, so thinking through how folks could respond to it. And I think that one thing that folks could think is, you know, I really want to make sure that my kids are free to choose to believe what they want to believe. And I want to be really cautious about shoving what I believe down their throats, about forcing them to believe, uh, which that's not the, the question of family devotions doesn't direct that adri- directly in some ways, but that, that there's like fundamental assumptions to that question, I think, that are really that touch on what we're talking about. So I, how would you all respond to that? concern. Hmm. And just one more pass at it again. That question that I think a lot of people have asked, and I know I've heard pastorally, is 
should I really be telling my child what they should believe about God? Uh, sub questions. What does that do to their own motivation to come to faith? Doesn't some of this have to happen internally? Shouldn't there be some discovery? Uh, and uh, how helpful was that in my own journey? Um, stuff like that. Is it is it yeah. a little is it a little tyrannical even? Right. Like this is this is what you have to believe because mom and dad or grandpa or uncle or aunt uh, believes it. Yeah. I think that it's a question that it should be challenged on the one hand, and also there should be tons of compassion. Um, so uh, briefly, because I, I want to hear what, what, what you all think of it too. It should be challenged in the sense that y- y- we, we are going to be teaching our kids something about God or the lack of God. And, and by that, I mean, like in the biggest sense, like we are going to be instructing our children about what we value most. Um, do we value more than anything else finding our own way in the world or aligning ourselves with um, uh, Jesus's proclamation of the kingdom of God and the beauty of uh, the come and follow me discipleship that we read about in the gospels and it's worked out across the epistles of the New Testament? Do we want to say um, the story of what God is doing through his church is the most important thing in our lives or do we want it to be something else? Um, uh, it's something is going to fill that gap. And even if we say you have to figure that out for yourself, is that the vision of the good and healthy life that we really want to pass on? Find for yourself the answers for these big questions or compare as many as you can. And even like, um, is it, is it that valuable to raise somebody, uh, saying, how do I put this? What's better? Being raised by somebody who believes thoroughly something or by somebody who kind of intentionally withholds that part of themselves and says, you believe whatever you want. You know, um, there's a, there's, I I was, I was raised, I I went to college at a fairly progressive state university and I knew a lot of the subject I was studying, particularly in the humanities, um, were uh, kind of outside my worldview kind of like a closed uh, universe where God's not intruding in the, uh, the accidents of history and how we come about knowledge and how we understand ourselves in the world. English classes, history classes, certainly like intellectual heritage classes. Big reveal, Temple University, go owls. I have often looked back and said, I prefer that even though I uh, subscribe to a classical Christian worldview to having like a feigned... Uh, worldview put in form of put in front of me of like a professor or series of professors who said, I'm not going to tell you anything about what I think. Here's just some stuff without conviction at a distance. I actually found it more helpful to be instructed by people who were had had some conviction behind what they were teaching, which in many ways was aside from what I believed. But then you're really coming up against somebody. You're coming up against their head and their heart and their words. In, in a way that I found really useful because I, I felt like I was dealing with a, a whole human being I could relate to. So I say all that to say, I want to challenge the idea that we shouldn't share our deepest commitments with our kids because you, you are going to on the one hand, but also I don't think that's really what you want. I think you want, you want to show something of yourself to your children. I think you want to, you want to be, um, 
inviting them into those deeper wells in your life of and and showing them how you work and how my goodness how you find hope how you keep going um what what faith anchors you um and what story you're part of i just think this is the rich stuff of life across the board and so for somebody who is a convinced christian absolutely you want to say this is my only hope in life and death and it's jesus christ and then much more briefly the compassion piece and i'll, I'll say very little about this i think though as much as that question should be challenged I, th- I think it should, that question of, should I really, should I really tell my kids what to believe? I want compassion on that question too, because I think some people in our church are really stuck on what they actually believe. And so they're conflicted. And, uh, you know, do we bring these little people into all the stuff we're wrestling with and make them feel even more unsteady? Do we act like we have more conviction than we do when we teach them the faith? So I, I want to offer a lot of con- compassion because I think if you're in a phase of life and you're raising children where you're stuck in your faith, what are you going to do? So let me stop there. I just said a lot. I don't know how you all respond to that or um, if you want to take that initial question in, in another direction altogether. Yeah, I think uh, yeah you hit on the points that I would want to hit on. Uh, that I, I think to con- continue to take the question charitably. Uh, I think it's something that I feel is I'm nervous about my my kids, my my two sons being the the exact same as me, and me feeling like I need to make them into little carbon copy versions of myself. It's like that's a really sinister way to think about them. It's cl- it's totally clamping down on their freedom, um, and I think some folks may be wary of doing that. Um, as, as if to say, like you know, it's not. It's my job is for them to discover who the, is to support them as they discover who they are. There's something really beautiful in that. Um, that I need to hear more. I mean, I something I struggle with my first son. I'm a firstborn. He's a firstborn. Uh, he looks a lot like me. His personality is a lot like me. It's like my 50 year challenge for the next 50 years is is telling myself that he's not me. He's not me. He's not me. Um, and at the same time, like I. We teach, we, we, we have to like, kids learn through seeing what their parents do and copying them. Like we do that with, from small to big things, right? Like kids need to learn how to brush their teeth. Like it's, 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 it is fit I, as, as a parent of two young boys. Like I am amazed at how they just don't know how they know how to do very, very little. And they have to learn from us how to brush their teeth, how to eat their food, how to clean up uh, after themselves, uh, how to in, how to interact with grownups. Mm-hmm. Um, and these things, they all sound small until you start stacking them up and you realize like, oh, no, this is actually about hygiene and respect and nutrition and other things that are actually all these giant building blocks to how to be a healthy human being. Yeah. And um and with family devotions, it's it's a similar sort of thing where it's like they have to copy. And Alyssa would actually know better about how about development, child development and stuff, and how uh, the importance of the, the the presence and mimicking parents works. But um, what beautiful building blocks we have to build for like our children being healthy human beings uh, with family devotions. Um, and that was the other point I was going to hit on, which you started to hit on, which is uh, the question. It is there is a, a, a it is pointed at the parents in some ways where it's like, do you, what do you believe about these things that we confess things? And you, you know, it's like, is, do you, do we fundamentally think that this, that we're just part of this one of many religious groups that has a few propositions that we subscribe to 
and then we just do some random stuff. Or is this actually, is this actually the story of the universe? Is this actually like, you know, key part of gospel proclamation is Jesus is Lord. Is Jesus really Lord? Like, is, and is this good? Is this good news? Is this beautiful news? Is this something that, that, that we, we want to be a part of joyfully? Like, um, if it's the latter instead of the former, like, I, th- I think family devotion is just, is kind of, there ways just is no, a no brainer where it's like, I need to hand this on to my kids so they can be full human beings. Yeah. You guys shared a already about all the things that I was going to hit on. Um, I think the only thing that I'll add is that the question itself kind of like assumes that as you're teaching your kids about the faith, that there might be a posture of, um, I don't know, it just assumes a lot about the posture. And I think that there's a way as a parent to um, teach kids about the faith with humility. Um, So we're not claiming to have all the answers or to be perfect, but we're just trying to show them as you guys have already said, what our hope is in life and death. And I think that's, there's a way to do that humbly and in a way that's not like, I don't know, like overpowering kids and still invites questions and invites doubts and invites curiosities and doesn't um, come down hard on them. It's just offering the hope that we have. And also the way that like the Old Testament talks about um, teaching your kids about what the Lord has done. It's almost like, it feels to me a little bit like teaching your kids, your family history a little bit, just huh. like mm, yeah. recalling the things like there's, I think Psalm 78, maybe 87. I don't know. Um, just like recalling what the Lord has done. Um, and I think, yeah, family worship is a good way to do that. I, I really like, yeah, Alyssa, that, that note of, humility to like I, I think a lot of it behind the question is that anxiety you know which I feel too it's like like is this if I tell my kid this and I'm wrong like what have I done to them mm. not saying everybody feels that but yeah. like we're not saying we have all the answers right we're not even saying that for sure our interpretation of everything should be unquestioned for life right but, you know, in, in, in hearing how you put it, I was even backing up to think about the recent sermon on John 3 and uh, what it means to be born again and born from above and how the spirit blows. And one of the applications of that sermon that I was chewing on a lot and, and brought to the congregation, which I think is pretty clear, is when we're seeing somebody else come to faith, we're, we are not making something happen we are showing up to what God's already doing. And it's not an accident that we're in these kids' lives. So here they are. We're showing up to what God's already doing. And that should that should also take a little bit of the pressure off. Instead of saying, in my instruction of this child, I will do this like an edifice that can never crack. And I will be able to boast in the work of what I've built. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Not at all, actually. We're showing up with some confidence. Uh of what God will do in their lives, not showing up in anxiety of what he might not do. And we're saying, this is what we really believe. And this is where we found hope saying, if the Lord is going to bring this child into resurrection life 
and they're going to be born again and come to faith in the living God, that's on him and our jobs to point to him. I think that that relieves a lot of the pressure of that very question. Um, of course, it still does assume some faith. Um, I wonder what listeners are, 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 are thinking about this question. I think it's a common one. I don't want to... Uh, disrespect or disregard the question because I think it comes from a real place but um, maybe maybe we can let that be enough for now and see how it comes back to us if there's other questions as we move on towards like a path of what people are doing that we respect and worship Alyssa um, since Stephen and I went first with the first part of this episode and said a lot and left you the crumbs <laughs> I would love it if you went first um, and shared um, you you have I think a lot more to say than either of us on what children can receive as best we can tell, observing them at what age and how to major in different things at different ages before we get into maybe some of what your family's doing, what my family's doing and other people we respect are doing. Would you be willing to just um, just give us some some pointers to, to, to hang some things on about like if I have kids this age or this age or this age, what can they take in developmentally as we think about leading them? before God. Yeah. So I am going to direct folks to, um, it's kind of text heavy, so I'll just direct them to the PDF so that they can look at it. But, um, Lifeway Kids put out a, just like a helpful PDF that describes developmentally what kids can catch on to theologically and what you can expect them to glean from the things that you want to share with them. But, um, yeah, just on like a more personal note, I think it would be helpful for a parent just to kind of like pay attention to what kinds of questions their kids are asking. And if there's a resource that you're using, that's not working um, because it doesn't feel developmentally appropriate, you know, your kid and you know, your kid's capacity. Um, We're in a, I mean, this is getting a little bit into the next topic, but we're in a um, kid's storybook Bible. That's a little too heady. I think for where our boys are at and the pictures even aren't really age appropriate. They're kind of like, um, abstract and don't help them like remember the story but um, yeah I think it's just the question itself it's important to know what, what your kids are um, catching and to try to do it in a kid-friendly way but I would say the opposite of that is there's some stuff that's like too watered down for kids and it actually like thinks that they are not developmentally able to catch on to things that they actually are able to catch on to like our kids are reciting our kids have more like children's literature memorized than scripture because we've just read a ton more books and we've read straight up scripture we do like storybook bibles more than like reading psalms aloud um for example which i'd love to get into doing the latter more but um all to say there's like um some psalm books that we've read with our kids that are paraphrased unhelpfully and they can actually like catch more then we give them credit for sometimes. So it goes in both directions. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, you know, your kids, you know, their capacity, but like it is, it is worth saying like kids have a higher capacity for knowing, remembering details and memorization than we usually give them credit for. I think. I sometimes mean, just, I think they have a bigger capacity for memorization than we do. Just, yeah, they do. I, I think. Um, but I just go back. I mean, just think back to when you were a kid, a kid, when you were eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, uh, or, or a teenager. And like some of your interests at the time. And you'd be like, if so for me, um, 
I was really into, I was just talking to someone about this today. I was really into Pokemon uh, when I was a kid. And there's something that I still really like about Pokemon. I still could pick up my Game Boy every now and again and play it. Uh, the OG versions. And uh, there's was like hundreds of different creatures that have different stats and attacks and types. And there's gym leaders and they all have their different names. And like, I was, you know, as like an eight, nine year old, like, it it may as well, I may as well have tattooed it onto my arm. Like I knew it so, so well. Um, or like kids reading or something else for me is like reading fantasy books when I was a kid, Harry Potter or whatever. Like it just sticks to you. And the, and the same, like the, like the kids actually like the thickness of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it goes with that, that way with, with sharing Bible stories too. Like kids can catch more than, than we give them credit for. Um, but the, yeah, I don't know. Should, should, I don't know if we should start talking about like what we do yet. And the, I, I don't mind naming the book that we think is good, but not the, not the best. But. Well, one more thought on that point. I think it goes right into your point. We were uh, m- meeting with a helping professional for one of our children, you know, with some developmental stuff. And um, one of the things we did as, as uh, she was getting to learn our family was just watching us play and read. Um, and we were reading a book. I do not remember which one it was, but we came across a phrase that I thought would be difficult for them to understand. And I paraphrased it and kind of explained it. And she later on said, you know, I noticed you did that. Why'd you do that? I said, well, I don't think they could understand. She said, don't do that. And, um, maybe she was just speaking to our family and that child. But the point was, um, that was an opportunity and, um, you know, she knows kids way better than I do. And she's like, they, it's actually good to help them wrestle with that. And a lot of them are even looking to do that. And if they get stuck, you'll be there with the ask, but you'll be stunned by how much gets through, um, to your point, Stephen. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be much ceremony to it. We can just roll out what has been working with people that we know and love who are wiser than us, but then also where have our families, we don't mind sharing, uh, found, um, well, found some things that work and found some ways that we're stumbling. Sure. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, throw, throw a few sure. things in the pot. Well, let's feel free to interrupt me, but I'll just share, share what we do. I feel like we've really hit a rhythm of so- something working over the past few months. Yeah. By God's grace. Yeah. Um, yeah. By God's grace it's taken some, some work, but, um, well, it, that first off it, things not working and then things working again. I was talking with, uh, Larry, another member of our, st- our staff team about this. And he and I had the exact same go-to phrase when it talks about family devotions, which is, um, blesses a man, blesses the woman, blesses the mom, blesses the dad who never stops starting family devotions. Um, like it's something you're going to have to be starting over again and again, which is assumes that you'll fail. There'll be seasons where you break down, can't do it. Maybe long seasons, long spells where you don't do it. And then you have to go through the gruesome work of try- of starting it over again. Like we've had to do that. And we're, so we're right now, what has been working for us. There's, we so we're I our our boys are just three and two, and uh, bedtime is the best time where we're all together as a family and we have some time to all talk and pray together. And this is simply what we do: we have we climb onto mom and dad's bed to read books. They each get to pick one or two books that they like. We read them to them, and then there's we read a Bible story from the storybook Bible that we we're using right now, which is uh, Kevin DeYoung's storybook Bible, which um. It's good. Like Alyssa said, he, Kevin DeYoung is an author I'd recommend for just about anything. He has a really funny, dry sense of humor, which doesn't connect with kids in, very well, in my opinion. Uh, 
but I it's, think it's just meant for an older audience. I think it's a kids. few years older. It's not than a ours. toddler. And, and, that, and to Alyssa's point, that that illustrator though, right. the ilus- the illustration is really yeah. abstract. It's yeah. really, I mean, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's really, it, you want to frame it, but you're like, kids I can't. For kids. I can't see. It's like it's like looking at those uh, old um, uh, digital pictures where like the sailboat's hidden. You gotta see. You, you gotta like look at 3D art. Right. It's like it's it's not quite that level, but it's like, wait a second, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. I gotta see. And then like it, it 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 manifests itself to you. Like my kids probably don't have a prayer, but <laughs> but I might be selling them short. And to your point, so might you be. Maybe uh, Michael and Jeremiah might come true. might come up to you and say exactly what they saw that you missed in the picture. So yeah, we just, may, maybe possible. maybe. You all should try to practice what you preach. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should take them to the PMA and just go to the Abstract Expressionism <laughs> exhibit right. and just be like, "Tell us, kids." That's um, right. <laughs> but uh, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, but it, it's been we're, I'm, we're working our way through it. I don't want to stop. It's good enough to keep using. Um, I don't want to badmouth it at, at, at too much. Oh yeah, no, I don't want to criticize. Yeah, it. it's just not. It, yeah, yeah. Kevin Young Children's Bible. Yeah, it's a children's there. storybook. I can't remember what it is. Crossways, the publisher, but it's um, easily it's easily search engined. It yeah, is. I think it's called and, like, the greatest uh, book. But those Bible stories. One thing that's great about them is they're short. In there, I read through them in the course of like four minutes. The boys have reached a point where they get excited about Bible story and will sometimes chant one more story. Um, yeah, it's definitely it's we've part kind of, of pitched it as like story time's over, but if you want one more, we can read the Bible, mm. and it's like we get one more story, one more story, yeah, and it's so. become like it's become it's become part of the routine. Yeah. Um, and when I start reading the Bible story, in contrast with their other kids' books, they especially our youngest, but both of them sometimes they just start flopping around the bed and being silly. And they kind of check out. They there are times they kind of check out. It's that's a common occurrence, which is why it's merciful that it's short. And then after that, we, I we check in with each other and uh, what was your favorite part of the day? Let's thank God for those things. And then we have a. Does anyone need to ask? Anyone need to ask uh, for forgiveness for anything today? From someone else in the family. Yeah, and um, and Alyssa and I try and model that, and that 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 section of our is is the one where our, our oldest especially loves it the most, where he immediately jumps into our arms, hugs us, and says, "Say something to me, <laughs> like apologize uh, for something." Well, yeah, yeah, ask for forgiveness <laughs> for something, um, which is uh, is is aggravating sometimes on the days where he's needed to be asking for more forgiveness, but um, himself. But he's learning. He's actually he actually is taking steps to that. And then from there we pray based off those things. Maybe re- recap where the, some there are some families that we love or friends or family that need to be prayed for. Pray for that. And we pray. I just pray for a short. I choose my prayers are usually less than a minute long. And then we say, we all say the Lord's prayer together. Uh, just kidding. Are they really that long? I don't think they're that long. <laughs> um, and then Stephen's <laughs> led us in doing the Lord's prayer as a family and that's been one that like really surprised me is the two-year-old is like he corrects me if I forget a line which I if I'm by myself leading it then I often do and he's like yeah he corrects me and says it with us and he shuts his eyes all really really tight (laughs) and then we last thing I'll say is we sing we usually sing the doxology as we're walking the kids to bed yeah and we sing the doxology sometimes standing for prayers for meals and the kids like that yeah. So just to back up real quick, I think that um, a big thing that 
you were saying at the start of explaining our family devotions is we kind of tried to find a time that we're already spending time together as a family and we where we already have their attention um so we kind of like built it into structure that we already had in place for like where are we naturally finding rhythms of being still and with one another which i think has been helpful rather than trying to like carve out a time out of nowhere just look for times when you're already with your kids like i've heard some people say that like if that time naturally is just coming when you're in the car dropping your kids off at soccer practice which is not a stage of life we're in um if that's where you're having your time then that could be a time to probably not read a book but pray at least i don't know yeah and i I expect that's something that's gonna get harder as kids get older where there there are folks who listen to this podcast who have had to face challenges with this question that we are far beyond what we've had to experience you know like well as kids get older that that time where kids where you're doing all so much work getting the kids to bed or it changes um and the the picking the time like for me growing up family devotions felt like my dad walking up to the dinner table with a giant Bible, slapping it on the table and then telling us what he's been thinking about, which I'm so glad he did it. It was so, it was like such good formation for me and for my siblings and for my future family that he did it. But there's sometimes it feels like I got to start something awkward. Hmm. Um, And it's worth it to try and find a time where it's not doing that, but also embracing the cactus and being like, there are some times where it does have to just be a little bit of that. Wow. I have a question for you all. How are you all doing at cat devotions? <laughs> oh, geez. Is this, is this coming? She has been is, climbing is, all over our laps. Yeah, while well, we've been recording. She's a was, total heaven. She was, uh, she was, she was just I've uh, been trying to get this cat away from beard. my microphone, and it was all I could do to not. I also fear cats that I don't yet feel close to. Does she need to be catized? Oh my! Oh my! Good for you. Yes, no, this, this podcast yes. is now complete with that pun. D- don't don't worry about putting your faith on your cat. It's okay. <laughs> Eponine. Yes. And named right. after. Uh, this is second act. Les Mis. Yes. 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 Thank it's you. a terrible cat name. It's way too no, many syllables. It's fine. It's it's uh, it's got Ep- it's got this nickname. EpiPen. Epi. Okay. Um, the um in in terms of yeah I I recognize a few things. Let me just say, hearing you all share about what you do for human devotions, it's uh it's 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 hitting on a note that I say a lot, um, not because I'm wise, but because I see the wisdom in other people. If you all, you all are in your early thirties, early thirties going on mid thirties, early thirties, late twenties, late twenties. That's right. And, and early thirties, Stephen. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm early thirties. Yeah. Um, and you have kids of a certain age, you know, uh, two and four, two and three. Um, you know, actually more about discipling two and three year olds than I do because I've forgotten. And even you might know more than I ever did, uh, for, for that matter, but I just don't know. So like, in this is all, all those out in radio podcast land as well. Like don't underestimate the wisdom you have just because this is the life that's right in front of you. And, 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 and don't under, underestimate the power of going to one another and maybe even expect to be a little disappointed when you sometimes go to people with gray hair, which, or, or I've, I've like seven gray beard hairs now, um, or, or to me, 
Um, and you say, what do you do with a two or three year old? And I give a way weaker answer than Stephen or Alyssa does because it's where you're living right now. And same thing, frankly, for marriage conversations. Mm -hmm. There are many aged, wise marriage counselors, and yet they're going to give you different kind of wisdom than other people who are in your exact same station will. Um, at least that kind of wisdom that comes from here and now in the moment experience. You might get a counselor who's meeting all the time with people in all stages of life and they have other kinds of wisdom. But that being said, um, hearing you all talk about your stage of life now even feels a little bit foreign to me. Our kids are 10, 7, and 4. And it is a little bit crazy. I have been feeding on some wisdom from a book that we shared with a lot of families during the pandemic called Family Discipleship. And it was, it was written by, uh, it was dual authored by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. I, you know, it's, it's, I don't just mind saying it's a little weird right now to, to recommend a book by an author who's a little bit, um, he kind of had to take a break from his ministry uh, for um, uh, a personal failing. That said, um, Matt, Matt Chandler uh, with Adam uh, Griffin put out this book a few years ago, and it was basically just pooling a lot of stuff that they learned at their church, and it stands, and it's a good book, uh, Family Discipleship. It's the best book. The best books to me are short books. Um, I often say most books should be articles, and tragically they're not because, you know, publishing companies have to exist and support families and directors and book critics and 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 authors who are, you know, looking for platforms. That said, this is a book that, you know, it is, it's just about as long as it should be, and it it doesn't just talk about what you do in family worship time. It talks about family worship uh, all the time, like finding time. So that's the first thing I'd say. Um, I'm finding out now more as our kids get older, the questions that come out. Dad, why don't other people not go to church? Dad, what, what about people who never hear about Jesus? Those are verbatim questions. They're out there. There may be common questions for people uh, to ask at some point. They're coming to me at like bedtime and in the car and at dinner times. And it's like, okay, this is just my life. So it talks about the family discipleship book, talks about those moments in a very helpful way. Um, one that came out uh, when we were coming back from vacation this summer, we were talking about church because we weren't at our church. We were away and we uh, were talking, we, we, we went to another church and we were talking about coming back to our friends at church. And, um, one of our children just said to my wife, mom, are you a Christian? Hmm. Cause we talk about Jesus a lot. We talk about discipleship a lot. We talk about church a lot. We talk about prayer a lot. We talk about God a lot, but I guess that word around this child just hadn't been said Christian a lot. And Karen said, yes, that's what it means to, to believe in Christ to belong to church, to, to, to Jesus's church and to be becoming more like Jesus. It's all wrapped up in that. And, and then she said, are you a Christian? And this child said, I don't know. I don't think so. And so in my heart, like my heart just drops. I didn't, in my head, I said, what? what? No, 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 no. And I don't like that that happened. It was a faithless, a faithless moment for me. But it was, okay, what am I learning about this child? And what does the grace of God mean for this moment? I mean, those moments, I'm not saying they don't happen when you're two or three, but they happen a lot more when you're at 10, seven and four stage. And, and it just makes you go back and it changes my prayers for a week. And it changes the questions I bring to the scriptures when I'm reading them. And it makes me want to go and ask other people in my stage of life, have, 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 have your children asked these, these questions that you don't know? All that stuff is just the good, just the good stuff for for talking, following up with them and saying, I don't know what to say that right now. And then coming back two days later, do you remember you have this? This is your life. This isn't Bible time. This is your whole life. 
that's time. And I don't have any other, I don't have any tips other than take a deep breath, receive it with faith. And you have this child, Lord willing, you have this child's whole youth to let them watch how you respond to their hard questions or their timely questions. And it's so rich. And I'm almost always glad they ask the question that I'm praying that I don't hear them ask. So there's that. Secondly, um, time together. I'll just throw some stuff out there because here's the thing. It changes. It changes like what do these children have attention for? What are these children uh, rebelling against? What are they, what is happening at this time of day that it used to work and now that it doesn't? But um, we generally look to work in uh, a, a little liturgy of song, scripture, and prayer. And sometimes it involves a memory verse with hand motions Stephen has sent to all you people on our Liberty Kids Club list as, as well. There's no reason why we don't put this on the weekly email for Liberty River Words as well. Some of these hand motion uh, YouTube videos, Stephen just did one for the Ten Commandments because that's what the Liberty Kids Club kids are doing on Thursday nights uh, in terms of their lesson time. It's been very helpful. We've done something like that for the Beatitudes and kids get into hand motions. Um, songs, uh Sometimes we avail ourselves of technology. Not sorry. Um, we love Rain for Roots. And they have, if you're familiar with Rain for Roots, that's one for the show notes. They have these great videos on YouTube, music videos that our kids love that are based on the Psalms or based on the teachings of Jesus. They have whole albums about the Sermon on the Mount. or And our kids like to kind of like, if they're still cleaning up a little bit, we put that on to get, by the time that song's done, they're settled. Other things in terms of music, we love um, a version of the Lord's Prayer that our kids have sung more than recited. Uh, Sandra McCracken's, it's on one of her albums, The Lord's Prayer. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, if you know it. Um, We've done it at church. We should probably do it more. Maybe we'll do it. um, It's Kids Sunday this Sunday. Maybe we should, um, one of these Kids Sundays, we should bring it out. Um, Other things that, uh, we've we've sung is just kind of like something seasonal, like during Advent. There's a few songs that we do. So singing um, on on the point of scripture, we have always loved the Jesus Storybook Bible. We found it very helpful. I have um, moved on to something. Um, I don't, it's fun, the Gospel Storybook Bible, which I believe was put out by the Sovereign Grace Network. It is dense and for an older age, and their artwork is certainly for an older audience. Um, but I just went to, for a while, um, for a while now, what we've been doing is just me telling the stories. And I have to tell you, our kids are more engaged than they've ever been before. Mm. Um, when when I just say, like I said, I, I was just kind of retelling them the story of uh, Nicodemus, because we had done that in Sunday worship with the grownups. I said, how many of you know the story of Nicodemus? And she's like, there was this guy named Nicodemus, and he was a Pharisee, and man, he thought he knew a lot. And he went to Jesus one time, and he kind of wanted Jesus to know that he knew a lot, and how do you think Jesus received him? And you make an interactive lot. But, you know, any story where you're telling instead of reading off the page and you're making eye contact, telling the story and not reading it has been, it's just been, it's just been really engaging for them. And then the other thing I'll say about the stories that they love now is, is acting them out. So Mm -hmm. anything that's story formed, um, you know, Jesus with, with the disciples, it's a little bit different in the letters. Um, 
when we're in epistles, but Old Testament narrative, New Testament narrative, you know, they just, they want to act it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Deb Carrera, who's at Urban Worship Center, our partner church in the building, uh, her brother Ben actually started a, a theater for families to get together and act out scripture. And no it's in way. Upper Darby. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. And, um, uh, no offense, Ben, if you ever listened to this, I met him one time. I said, that sounds like an interest. I'm just not interested. That sounds like something I am not wanting to do. <laughs> Until my kids became 10, 7, and 4, and they only want to act out stuff. It yeah. is incredible how much they want to. Um, so these are just some ideas from us. In terms of prayer, yeah, so that, that's beautiful, uh, Alyssa, Stephen. Something you're grateful for, something you need to confess, and something you need. Um, and then... Um, one thing that we've done, by the way, folks, this is a grab bag. I, 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 I won't, I won't lie to you and say we do all these things all the time, but I think I, I, I shared one time, Joe and Christy Marlin had a rhythm with their family, uh, church planners at Epiphany Church, Gloucester City, where they wrote down the names of everyone who they knew God had called them to pray for, everyone, on a popsicle stick. And they put all those popsicle sticks in a jar. And um, they had another jar so that they pulled one whenever they had a family worship time and it had the name of somebody they'd pray for. And then they put it in the other. It was like a discard pile. Yeah. <laughs> and then as that one got filled up, the one became empty, the other became full, and then you, then it worked through it again. We did that, that with the one change. On the other side, we put a nation of the world. Oh. And um, that's been teaching our kids, I hope, to pray for the world, but also they want to find it on the uh. world on the yeah. globe and then and then go back to it so that has honestly that hasn't happened in a while because the four-year-old got a hold of the sticks and they just they scattered <laughs> oh, okay. they scattered um <laughs> so we need to get working on this and frankly there's been so many people that we've we've we need to probably add um to that we've encountered in recent years it's been years since we put together that that pile um so, yeah, in terms of the moments, that, that's the study. The last thing that um, is in the, the book, Family Discipleship, that's really neat is um, they talk about milestones. And they talk about, like, um, things in your kid's life where it just makes sense to, like, celebrate it. Like, maybe a kid finishes elementary school or they turn double digits or they, um, or they, or they take the Lord's Supper for the first time. Yep. You know, in our church, we try to set them up with that through a catechism class and then they... They receive communion for the first time. We try to make a big deal out of it. Um, but, and I think actually you all have done a great job in our church, particularly you, Stephen, like making that a, a celebration. Um, like, so those three things together is like just the moments, then the time, then the milestones. I just like all that's how that book, Family Discipleship, breaks it down. So I've been trying to follow that. Uh, the last thing I'll say in terms of, yeah, but how do you actually do this? I'll be honest with you, sometimes a week passes and we don't do it. And there's all kinds of reasons why that happens. I will share with you our goal. I, uh, Catherine Savage, who founded Philadelphia Classical School, personal friend, um, I don't follow exactly her model, but years ago when she was uh, helping with children's ministry at a sister church of ours, she, she really encouraged something like three days a week for 15 minutes. And we rarely hit that. Usually we're on a good week. We're twice a week. Um, but then we, you know, we're at Liberty Kids Club too. So the, the, the goal, which is not always hit, is to just make it that 
kind of regular rhythm. We know we're not going to hit every day because that's just the nature of me and my wife and our discipline right now. It's like, we're just, it's just not going to happen. So if I hold that as the standard, um, boatloads of shame, (laughs) but, and it's also, but also it's like, that's not a rule I have to follow. But I do, I do want us to be pushed. I do want us to have some goal that we're reaching for because it's important. And having like a couple times a week as the goal, uh, I hope it's serving our kids well. Um, and yeah, sometimes we hit it. So yeah, that's us. That's us. Um, Anything that you all, as you're hearing me talk and thinking about what you've seen other people do that comes to mind, just to throw out there, that people have found rich in, I've heard, I've heard of the old, I've heard a lot of people tell me uh, that they never did anything growing up um, and were raised in the church. I've also heard people tell me about what your dad did, Stephen, of, it was just after dinner. After dinner, the Bible came out and the lesson was read and, um, I think it was, it depended on like the, the way the parent set the expectations. Yeah. Um, right. and, 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 um, some people loved, loved that time and other people, um, don't remember it as fondly uh, yeah. in their adulthood. But, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of such things. But yeah. It was, uh, well, I heard of an experienced pastor. He's been a pastor for like over 40 years. Uh, he, he shared what he would do when he would bring the Bible out after dinner with his different age kids. He would go around. He had, I think he had four or five kids. Go around and he would ask each, each, each person had to ask a question. And he would always start with the youngest. Um, <laughs> which is, sounds really intense, but he had good ideas. He had good reasons for it. I think it's because you know, the, that way the youngest kids got asked like the easier, more basic questions. Um, did it work? Well, did it, I shouldn't be laughing maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it is pretty intense. Uh, you can think about being a poor like four-year-old. Um, I, one, I mean, so yeah, my, my dad bringing out the Bible, the, the expectations. Uh, you, you, yeah, you became used to it. Um, the, my, what my mom would do is was uh, just as powerful as, as, and it's like, this should de- definitely count under the, under being under the umbrella of family devotions is my mom would come and would visit each of our, me and my siblings on the oldest of four, each of our bedrooms before we go to bed every night. And this is more like when we were teenagers. So later on, and she would check in with each of us and pray with us every single night. Just um, rub your back. And give us back rubs. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a Wood family thing. Um, and that was, that's, it's like I can't pinpoint exactly how, I, I, it just, it just, it was really powerful. to that. It was yeah, really powerful. Family liturgy for sure. Yeah. Um, one more thing that I wanted to share that's not necessarily like bringing worship into the life of your home so much as making the Lord's Day something that your kids get excited about. Um, and hopefully that includes church but um i've heard it said that making church more fun can sometimes include like giving your kids a treat after church i think we talked about this last week like our kids love getting donuts before church but some parents have a habit of doing like pancakes on sunday mornings like there's something special about the lord's day we're spending time as a family that includes church um my family always did church in chinese we did church and chinese food afterwards and it was just like part of 
a longer liturgy of like family time after church that Mm. made Sundays a little more exciting than the rest of the days of the week. It wasn't like a chore to show up and arrive at church. It was like part of the special highlight of the week. I don't know. It sounds wise. Yeah. The, the liturgy of praying your children into sleep is really good too. We have a version of that. It's not exactly the same. Uh, well, tell us what you are you are, are doing, listeners, and we will share it as we are able. But for now, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back before long, and uh, bless the children. Fight the shame. Take shame. care. Bye-bye.